0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Ananda Online Sunday Service. It's a joy to be here with you all. My name is My- Nayaswami Mantra Devi, and this is Nayaswami Krishna Das. And um, so welcome to all of our friends at Ananda Village who are watching, and all of our friends from all over the world who are watching also. You know, extenuating circumstances are a marvelous opportunity to practice our spiritual teachings, a chance to really look at life and reflect on the reality of life, and to turn on a dime to change your personal protocols, your world protocols. And you know, it's all a grand show in order to bring us closer to God. So uh, let's look at all the blessings that are going to come out of this world crisis. And I'm going to read from Rays of the One Light, Weekly Commentaries on the Bhagavad Gita and Bible by Swami Kriyananda. And excuse me, if I stumble, I didn't bring my glasses. And that's why uh, sometimes it's a little hard to read. And Lisa's just going to, I just got two people offering glasses. Thank you very much. reason versus intuition truth is one and eternal realize oneness with it in your deathless self within the following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda Jesus when addressing his critics appealed to reason and common sense in his training of the disciples however he like all great masters encouraged in them the development of a higher faculty, soul intuition. For it is only by intuition that spiritual perceptions are achieved. In chapter 16 of the Gospel of Saint Matthew, we find Jesus drawing on the intuition of his disciples by asking them who they thought he was in reality. They immediately understood that what he wanted from them was a subtle answer, not some obvious reply based on his nationalities, sex, and the like. Peter, it was at last, who understood and answered the question in its intended level, the spiritual. Thou art the Christ, he said, the Son of the living God. And Jesus turned to him, saying, Blessed art thou, Simon, son of Jonah, For not by human nature was this truth revealed to thee, but by my heavenly Father. And I tell thee this also Thou art Peter, which is to say, a rock, and upon this rock will I build my church, and never will the powers of darkness overwhelm it. Jesus was pleased with his disciple for relating to the question on its deepest level. Reason could not have given Peter that answer. The answer came through the faculty of soul intuition and proved him thereby to be a spiritually advanced disciple. It was his intuitive perception, that insight which cannot be shaken by tempests of reasonable doubt, that Jesus praised in referring to him as a rock. The church he referred to, next, was the edifice of cosmic consciousness. Any outer church institution would have depend, as in fact the Christian churches have always done, on the level of understanding of its individual leaders and members. Peter's intuitive perceptions could never have been passed on to an outward succession of prelates, Clarity comes by direct soul perception. Confusion results from excessive dependence on reason as the guide to understanding. As the second chapter of the Bhagavad Gita states, when your intellect, at present confused by the diversity of teaching in the scriptures, becomes steadfast in the ecstasy of deep meditation, then you will achieve. Final union with God. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Aum.
1: Aum.
0: Aum.
2: Well, again, it's been an interesting morning. Uh, A long ago, you know, we have this scheduled who's going to be doing service well in advance. And uh, this happens to be my anniversary of meeting Swami Kriyananda 42 years ago this very day, March 15th. So, and I even know the the time, uh, because it was a free lecture, 7.30, those usually start. And uh, not only that, but I forget maybe a few years ago, Krishna, who is running treasures along the path, said, I found a talk from Houston in 1978 on March 15. I think it might be the one that you were at. And she made a treasures out of it. And I have that. So for me, I'm blessed. I listen to that recording every Every year on my anniversary, I didn't today because this is it, and uh, but I did yesterday, and it's a beautiful talk. Uh, the message there was is timeless; it's universal. He, Swami could be giving it right this moment, and it would be applicable. And uh, in the beginning of of the this the uh, presentation, it was some songs by the the singers and then Swami would say a few words and he would introduce another song or two then they would sing before he got to the real meat of you know his message that evening and the first song I ever heard was come gather around and then it was well done Lord was the second one the uh, the Gandharvas they were called the celestial singers and uh, so I left the message for Bhagavati who was going to be I assumed there was going to be a singing group here today. And uh, and I asked her if we could have those two songs. And I didn't hear back from her. She left the message late last night and said, well, we were planning to do Come Gather Round. What a coincidence. But uh, the second one was different, which Prashad will sing at the offertory, which I think is applicable uh, for this, what's going on in the world today. So at any rate, I was set to you know, give you a little, bit of a, a little bit of that story about how I met Swami because it was, it was phenomenal, really. And I'll just touch on it. I won't be able to embellish it because I do have a message more pertinent to what's going on. But I, when we looked out the window this morning, I did when I got up, I saw this deep snow. And I thought, well, what else is going to happen? <laughs> you know, we're going to change Sunday service. Just a few staunch uh, staffers here to make this broadcast available for you all. And, uh, and then it was, then there was three inches, four inches of snow on the ground. I said, oh, no. And I thought, wait a minute. What do you mean, oh, no? Snow's beautiful. Snow had, is independent of what's going on here. And I thought, wind on a hill sounds lonely if you're sad, free if you're free, cheerful if you're glad. So I thought the snow suddenly was cheerful. It was beautiful, looking at that snow with the right um, consciousness. In, in, the, in the moment, so I think that, that was a lesson right there for for me, and for all of us that you know we have to keep things in perspective. When it, something happens like this, it could dim the, it, it lowers the lights, it dims our energy, our, our perspective, our outlook on all of life. When it really doesn't have to, let's keep things categorized. We still have our community here and virtually. We still have. Swami, we still have the Masters. So, anyway, when I met Swami, that it was in Houston, 1978, as I said, and uh, I came a little late because I lived close to the yoga studio where he was giving this free lecture, because he was on his North American tour after finishing the auto, uh, his autobiography. It's called The Path Autobiography of a Western Yogi. Called those days like a sequel to Masters' autobiography, and. Uh, so I came and I was walking down the aisle and looking for a place to sort of perch. And it was those days everybody sat on the floor, of course. And uh, there was no, it was packed and I walked all the way down the aisle and there was only the seat open right in front of him. So I thought, okay, this is fine. So there he, so there he came out, there he was. And uh, just to encapsulate it, I was bowled over. I, I was totally mesmerized by Swami's energy, his consciousness, and in those days, you know, he had long hair, big beard, robes, and it was foreign. I had not, I tell you the truth, I went that evening because I had never met a real live Swami, and I thought, this might be interesting, so I, I went and uh, sat there, and uh, so when I was, and then the, the singers came out, and it was the first time they were wearing these outfits all together. Someone had made them, and and they looked okay. They were a little cheesy, I, you know, in that at that time. And, but they were nice. The, their consciousness was beautiful. The songs were beautiful. One thing about it, though, is they all couldn't have the same shoes. So they all had a, their pants were a little like high waters, you know. And uh, we called them. And the shoes were all like, you know, country shoes. You know, so I thought, who are these people? You know, but, uh, but. When, we, when I closed my eyes, the singing was so beautiful that the distraction of the visual was gone. And even with Swami, you know, because I'd be studying him, when I closed my eyes, I was just totally enveloped and immersed in this consciousness. It was so beautiful, so deep, so so powerful. And, and it, was, it was just going way in, like like resounding in kind of an empty cavern, just filling me up, you know. And I thought... I don't know who this man is, but I'm going to follow him. Wherever he is, I'm going there. And uh, so afterwards, the phenomenal part about this is that it was over, and I'm sitting there, and you know, kind of came out of a trance in a way. And uh, people were getting up and leaving. And I thought, where are you going? Didn't you hear this man? He has the answers. And I knew they were looking just like I was. where are you going and then a little doubt came over me well you know if he's having this effect on everyone you know how i didn't know where he lived and there was a community he spoke of ananda but i didn't really have the context in that one talk so i turned towards the door to to get ready to leave everybody else was leaving and my feet were riveted to the ground i could not move And when I looked at the door, the people were going out. He was in the corner, and it looked like they were being actually sucked out of into like a black hole, literally, and uh, and that made me stop as well. I thought, oh, because when I faced Swami and still where he was on the uh, in the front there on on the stage, it was all like effulgent light, this brilliant, beautiful light. And it was so contrasted that I, I turned towards the door, and I looked at the door again. My feet were stuck. It looked like a dark hole. So I, I got the message right then. Swami was the direction I was to go in. But it was such an interesting thing, like I was stuck on a tractor beam. I went over to the side of the hall. It was an older building then, and they had these sort of posts. It wasn't in the middle, but it was on the edge. And I kind of got behind one so that I could study him without like, staring at him right in the in the front there. And I was just studying him and saying, like, what, what's going on here? What does this man have? Uh, so it was an interesting experience. And uh, sure enough, I went to the workshop on Saturday, and then the Sunday service that was given. And I, I was with him and the entourage that entire weekend. And by the time he left on Sunday, uh, I volunteered to start an ashram in Houston with a few others, and, uh, and so we did. So this is my anniversary. I wanted to share a little bit about it. I wanted to start with whispers to get on with the topic of today, reason versus intuition. This reading came, and it was perfect. I was thumbing through the book, and I, I, I wasn't happy with what I was finding for this topic. And so I just closed it. And then, I said, "I don't want to wait a little bit." Waited, opened it up right to this page. This is obviously what's going on in the world today with the the coronavirus and the uh, challenges we all may be feeling with with the threat. Make me see that I am but an actor in the cosmic motion picture, beholding the ever-changing sound and motion pictures of life. I am aware that this turbulent dancing show is only a vast illusion. The tragedies, comedies, and paradoxes of life, the dreams of birth and death, the changing scenes and places that surge round us, all these are nothing but movies designed to engage us in the cosmic illusion. O divine operator, With thy cosmic vibratory light, thou dost show us ever new thrills, a motion picture true to all our five senses, keeping us amused and entertained through sight, sound, smell, taste, and touch. O magic operator, thy true seeming spectacle beams daily onto the screens of our consciousness. I take it as thy grace that I've been chosen to play both tragic and cosmic, comic parts in thy drama. I am happy to have acted all those parts, both of sorrow and of joy. Still, Father, give me now and then a few days of respite from my task. Let me retire to my closet of introspection, stand before my own thought audiences, and behold with laughing heart, All the tragedies and comedies I have enacted. Teach me to look upon all that happens in my life with a pleased interested attitude that at the end of each episode no matter how sad or difficult I may exclaim ah what a good show full of thrills suspense and excitement. I am happy to have seen it and I have learned much from it for my own benefit I thought that was apropos jai guru so this topic is very interesting uh, reason versus intellect and to be truthful I did not check to see what the uh, the affirmation was today it was on willpower which is perfect I was so focused on the main talk but I had found this in spiritual diary that I read every morning, and it was on willpower. It's been on willpower this week. And it says, when guided by error, human will misleads us. But when guided by wisdom, human will is attuned to the divine will. God's plan for us often becomes obscured by the conflicts of human life. And this is the point. God's plan for us often becomes obscured by the conflicts of human life. And so we lose the inner guidance that would save us from chasms of misery. And that's what's going on. And always goes on when there are conflicts microscopically in our own life and also now in this macrocosmic uh drama that's affecting the entire planet down to each individual and what we're even needing to do here and now at ananda village dealing with this coronavirus i was thinking of uh you know these these times when we have to summon our courage willpower courage we have draw on different aspects of uh, our our consciousness our teachings the uh, attitudes that we have to bring forward. This is a time for no fear, courage. And I'm reminded of, of uh, in the, the uh, Lord of the Rings, when they were going through an attack, and Frodo, he says to Gandalf, he says, I wish it need not have happened in my life. And Gandalf just said, so do I. And so do all people who live to see such times but it's not for them to decide the only thing we can decide is how we are going to fare through these challenges and what's in front of us also a favorite quote of mine these are an opportunity to share them shakespeare one of shakespeare's dramas where he says the king he says in peace, what, what better becomes a man than modest stillness and humility? But when the blast of war blows in your ear, imitate that of the tiger. Stiffen the sinews. Summon up the blood. I think that's what we need to do right now. We need to be warriors we can't give into the fear there's a lot of fear right now and i from my standpoint you know what has happened so far I can stand here and say that maybe more easily than some of you out there I don't know and particularly uh, people that are maybe right in the midst of we're all around them schools closing jobs closing and they're seeing Uh, More we're just beginning to see the effects and affecting our daily life but nevertheless uh, holding to this uh, Teaching and this affirmation as It may increase and we don't know if it will but if it does we still have to hold hold that line Be a warrior Not give in to fear master was tremendously powerful that way wasn't easy for him. Look at Swami Kriyananda, Building Ananda. There were some very dramatic times. Many of us lived through them with him. He always held his center. At the same time, he, if you read uh, Asha Praver's recent book, every page there was a challenge, and then Swami went into seclusion to finish writing or begin writing a book. He held his consciousness, you know, like that reading when everything's breaking up around us, let's say, the the crash of breaking worlds, he stood centered with his task of giving these teachings in many different ways, as he said, seminal uh, teachings that were we could draw on, whether you're a parent, a manager, you know, an artist, on and on. you know you know the books, the hundred and fifty books t- he wrote. It was all during incre- very uh, varied. Challenging times wasn't all smooth while he was able to retire to his Typewriter his computer and and write all these books so For us we have to carry on with courage Okay, so what is affected now? what what the topic is reason versus intellect and I wanted to uh, in my in my preparation and I like to you know see what other paths say just as well And they all, these saints. Let's get on to the saints and the masters. The saints said the same thing. Now the Rubaiyat of Omar Khayyam, which Master translated, quatrain 45 is perfect for this, but uh, uh, it's it's about the intellect and reason. But Swami Shivananda he said reason is frail, finite, and limited. He loved those kind of cryptic. one-liners. Swami Ramdas, that uh, Atman mentioned last week, beautiful saint, deep, deep saint, found God, liberation. He said, reason is too feeble and limited to gauge the depths of the infinite. We will never get there. We need reason. We need the intellect. They're tools, but intuition is the main faculty. That we have to develop you know in giving these talks or as we grow in our you know understanding of the teachings I'm really into intuition is everything intuition is the main point although the sadhana that we do is so that we could learn how to control our energies our emotions and and focus and concentrate so that we could not be distracted by emotion by restless thoughts by The limitations, actually, of reason, because reason cannot give us God realization; it cannot give us the experience of bliss. Intuition, intuitive perception, is the only thing that could do that. This is why our sadhana, particularly our meditation practice, is so vital, is so critical, is so—it's mandatory. It's needed. I was—we were giving a class to the living disciples, uh, living discipleship program a couple days ago and it, it hit on me it's like when you know master's saying you need to do this you need to develop your own intuitive perception so that you could find god he's telling us how he's describing it the best he can in the most poetic beautiful prose but there are laws there are cosmic laws and yes god the guru holds the key and can wake us up at any time but none give you. The ultimate self realization without you striving and attaining it for yourself. They show you the way. So I thought, like Babaji, you know, I I can't accept you in this condition. And the man jumped off the cliff, came back up, he touched him. That was an important test for him. Master could be saying, I want you to be in bliss with me. I want you to be in bliss with me for eternity. But uh, even if he said, by my grace and mercy, I will accept you in that condition, cosmic law won't. We have to reach that pinnacle, self-realization, ourself. Then we will be with master, all of our lineage, for eternity in bliss, aware of the, our individual consciousness. Now, the Rubaiyat, this quatrain says, but leave the wise to wrangle, and with me, the quarrel of the universe, let be. With me, Omar, Kayam, With me, Omar, leave the quarrel of the universe. And in some corner of the hubbub couched, make game of that which makes as much of thee. The world is a, we're a game, it's like a big game, and we're the pawns on the chessboard, and we're just getting tossed all over the place, you know, until we wake up and gain these abilities that the masters are trying to get us to attain. So this is Master's translation. Let the, let the theoretically wise wander in endless argument among dusty exhibits in the Museum of Theology, And let scientists puzzle to their minds content over the paradoxes of reality. Universal truths cannot be easily grasped by the frail, there it is, reason is frail, reason is too feeble. Here's Master saying it. Universal truths cannot be easily grasped by the frail tendrils of human thought. Laugh then at the need to puzzle over anything. While others argue and harangue, slip away to some distant quiet place, sit a while in deep inner silence and meditate on the joyful, loving nature of the infinite. Why let your head be bowed by weighty riddles that never can be solved? Why take things so tragically, look upon life in his amusing sport, for sport, evidently, is what life makes of you. I thought that was nice. We are made in the divine image. Our soul, in our soul, Jesus said, "Ye are gods." I was always thinking we could heal people, but that's a vast, broad implication. Ye are gods. In the in the Bhagavad Gita, it says. Get in touch with the soul, with the self, because it is individualized consciousness, as Master said, Yoganandaji said, and that all the power, omnipotence of God is our omnipotence. And we have the power to overcome anything. So right now in this time of trial and challenges and to what extent it may be affecting you personally, as well as holding the thought up to the Masters so that we could be a strong uh, transmitting signal of our own, and a community like Ananda Village can join together like, like rays of, of light, joining into a vast, more powerful ray of light up into the ether, spreading out over to the entire world. Our community and communities like it, churches around the, this country and the globe, that could hold to that the purpose of this is a global community. And I was thinking, what else could happen right now? I, don't, I hope there's no alien, mischievous alien powers that are viewing what's going on, because it'd be a good time to attack the Earth. <laughs> but I, I don't think that's going to happen. Right now, I think whatever's going on with the, with the world, it's going to bring it together in some fashion, looking for a cure to this, this uh, virus. So who knows what's going on in, in a cosmic uh, perspective. But down to our own individual perspective, we need to, hold, to our, hold our center and offer it up. Do our daily sadhana now more than ever and hold the line to be centered in the self, keep positive, fearless, and shine the light. That's what we're asked to do as devotees, as disciples of a great lineage of a great powerful avatar and be his warriors to bring in the light. I just wanted to end by saying the point of intuition and Swami wrote a book on it, Intuition for Starters and he said that um, first of all he gave us this, This I didn't know he wasn't called this, the special universal daily demand for divine guidance. I will reason, I will will, and I will act. But guide, but guide thou my reason, will, and activity to the right path in everything. That, that's the special universal daily demand for divine guidance. I never knew it was called that. All these years of saying that one because it's powerful i will reason i will will i will act but guide thou my reason will and activity to the right path in everything the point here is guide thou my reason will and activity to the right path and everything that's our part the guidance could be a torrent of energy but we need to tune into it and the only way we're going to tune into it is through our intuitive perception as Swamiji often quipped, you know, it's kind of rare God speaks to us, you know, out of a burning bush or, you know, over the various examples through history, Joan of Arc or whatever. But for us it's that quiet, still voice within us, inside. We have to go there and be still so that we can perceive the intuitive, uh, the perceive the, the divine guidance that is there for us all the time. Blessings to you all, and may we hold together as a community here at the Village Command Central and globally.
1: that death can destroy, I crave only Thee, Your love and Your joy. I ask for no riches that death can destroy,